Welcome back to the Dump and Chase podcast. This week we're going to touch on our NFL two-minute drill, elaborate on some key NFL games, start another new segment, our power rankings top 10, give our fantasy breakout performers from week one, touch on college football weeks one and two, give our lock bets, and our Dump and Chase of the week, Serena Williams. Here we go. Yeah, that's right. This cut goes out to all y'all that's been missing us for mad years. One love, yo. Yeah, that's right. He's got game. If man is the father, the son is the center of the earth, in the middle of the universe, then why is his verse coming six times rehearsed? Don't freestyle much, but I write him like such. What is going on, everybody? We are back. Evan, a busy week in sports this past week. NFL season one in the books. Like you said, Serena's meltdown. Um, A lot going on this week. We're going to cover it all. Let's lead off right in the way. Serena Williams at the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. I, I I don't want to get too detailed into it, but we're probably gonna walk me through what happened, Evan. All right. So Saturday afternoon, Serena Williams versus Naomi Osaka from Japan. Center court, U.S. Open, Flushing Meadows, Queens, New York. Big stage. Big, big stage. This is where it all went down. Uh, so basically Serena got her ass kicked in the first set six, two absolutely played with like no doubt about it. She got rocked in the first set six games to two. So she's already a little upset. Comes back. It's one, one. Now it's two, one Serena. Her coach is in the stands and he's kind of mimicking with his hands, pulling like air kind of towards himself saying, hey, he come, on, like come on in. up or something. He was, she... he was saying, come in. He was basically, come in. I can't really show it. It's a podcast. It's bad, bad airwaves. Air but he was basically telling her to come in, come to the net, because Osaka was just beating her wide. Anyways, she gets a warning for it, okay? She walks over to the ump. They talk about it. It's just a warning. No harm, no, no foul. No, no harm, no foul. Can't get coaching. That's 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 a rule in tennis. And is it called very often? No, it's not. But it has been called. And it's been called in the U.S. Open before. Uh, but it rarely gets called, especially in the finals. I'll give her that. But they talked it out. It seemed like they were on good terms. I think Serena, by talking to the to the uh, chair official, felt that he – this Carlos Ramos felt that he – Maybe didn't give her a warning because they seemed to be fine. So, anyways, but he made it clear there was a warning. He made it clear there was you a can warning. Hear it on the audio. There was a warning. It's tra- it's marked down. Put that on the paper. Uh, now it's two one. Serena's up. And anyways, Osaka fights back. She makes it two two. And Serena gets pissed. She, you know, another unfair, unforced error. Slams her racket against the ground, just shatters, shatters it, it yeah, breaks it in piece, pieces. Uh, so she's issued another warning, and if you get issued a second warning, it is by default it is a penalized point. So she loses a point. So to start the next game, she's down fifteen love. Serena, assuming that she didn't get the first strike against her, is by rate. She's she's Comes just irate, attacking, attacking Ramos. Carlos Ramos. Saying that she does, she's not a cheater, even though Ramos never accused her of being cheating. He he accused her of getting coaching. So you can take that one of which ways. He never blatantly said she's a cheater. He just said that's coaching, and that's a 
that's a that's a warning. And now with the racket slam, she loses the point. Now she's she's fired up. She is saying that he owes her an apology. This is BS. Blah blah blah. He's attacking her character. Whatever. She goes on with it. And he didn't Lose. say oh, he was silent the entire time. He He's was not even coming at her. No. He the conversation is over. Serena Williams is picking at the bear, poking at the bear. So continue. Anyways, next game she loses. Okay, four three she loses. She's sitting on the bench, and this is where she goes off on Ramos, calling him. You know he's a liar. Starts calling him a thief, saying, you know, she owes him. She she needs that point back. He stole it from her. Blah blah blah. Whatever. And there he's sitting there calm, and she's saying, don't even talk to me. This is this is all sexist. This is a sexist remark. Don't even talk to me. Blah blah blah. He's not even talking to her. And then she just starts talking in his direction, says, how dare you, all this stuff. So he finally, she goes, you're a thief. He gives her the the uh, third strike, which is a full game. So she loses a full game. So now she's down 5-3 in the final set. Even though she was getting absolutely worked by Osaka, this is what's bullshit. This whole thing's getting overshadowed by Serena. But Osaka, tip of the cap, she played really well. But anyways, Serena was basically in tears. She's saying that how she's a mother, which – no idea what that has to do with anything. I'm sure Ramos has a couple kids himself. Uh, she's calling it racist. She's calling it sexist, blah, blah, blah. But Ramos also did penalize Annie Murray in 2011. Did the same exact thing. He got a game taken away. And Novak Djokovic in 2014 got a point taken away as well. So for her to say that's sexist, mm, Ramos has a history of giving men penalties as well. Right. So, for me personally, I don't really, you know, want to say that Serena was completely in the wrong. Maybe she shouldn't have got that first strike against her. But, you know, you get a strike against you, whatever. Just move on, let it go. And clearly she hasn't been playing well. And this has happened in 2011, 2014, and now 2018. Wherever she's in the final, she's playing bad. She just goes berserk. She gets all pissed, starts making a tantrum, starts, you know, being a baby. And 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 this is kind of what, what went down. And she ends up losing, whatever, post-game conference. She's the presser. She's, you know, saying how she's a mother. This would never happen to a guy. This is sexist. You know what? This is just her feeling entitled, how she's mm-hmm. got 22 grand slams. She's not playing well. And she tried to turn it into something that, you know, it should have never gotten to this level. She, I'm sorry, but she was at fault here. I agree. I think, you know, she was putting herself on a pedestal and assuming that she was just better than the referee. Um, I think she was completely in the wrong here. Not completely. Maybe the, the first call, the coaching call, like you said, may, okay, maybe we let that one slide. But he did make it clear it was a warning. Second one, she let her anger get the best of her. And then the third one, no reason. I get it. Athletes let their emotions get the best of them sometimes. But I think she needed to just kind of bite her tongue a little bit. Instead of making a big scene, go out and, and win the game, win the next yeah. game. Basically what I'm, I'm seeing is she knew she was going to lose. She knew she was getting outplayed by Osaka, who was a better tennis player <laughs> on the day. And she just tried to turn this into a whole controversy so that what everyone will talk about is not that she lost, but what happened and how she lost, even though she got 
absolutely dominated. Yeah, so her play on the court was nothing that spectacular. She was getting work. That probably had something to do with it. But Serena, we just – and we'll touch on it later. I, I, we just disagree with kind of how she presented herself. I want to know if she was just committed and in too deep on her story and, and going at it with the ref. Like, she couldn't just let herself go back on her word and whatnot. But Yeah. Um, yeah, that whole thing. Congrats to uh, congrats to Osaka, though. Um, she played a hell of a tournament, and and I don't think you know you should be underlooked that much. And yeah, you know she's still young. She'll be back to many majors. I see her winning a lot of majors. She's just, I believe, she's 22. She's gonna be back in the finals again. Absolutely dominated that finals. Dominated the whole tournament. And tip of the cap. Congrats, Osaka. Hell of a U.S. Open. Uh, but, Jake, let's kind of jump into our two-minute drill here. Uh, this week we're going to focus on, you know, big takeaways and stuff that we quite didn't see coming uh, in week one's NFL. All right. I will fire it up first right away here. Big takeaways. The tie game between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I don't know the last time we ever saw a tie game, but I got to shout out Hugh Jackson. He was so close. Uh, they shanked and – or not shanked, had their kick blocked. Uh, Hart goes out to Cleveland Browns, hoping they can turn it around next week and get a win. Uh, my boy Sam Darnold took him last week in my lock bets. Yeah. Huge takeaway for me. Won me some money. I called it out last week. I'll touch on lock bets later, but I'm two for two. Shout out, shout out to myself. But Sam Darnold, uh, not the opening drive you want to have, pick six, but turned it around and you know sent sent the Detroit fans home early. Um, and things that I did not see coming, Aaron Rodgers going to the tunnel, going to the locker room, potential MCL tear, uh, comes back onto the field, leads the Packers back to a 20 point from a 20-point deficit to take it to Chicago. In Lambeau Field, Aaron Rodgers is superhuman, best player in the game, best quarterback right now, besides maybe Tom Brady last year, but those are my two-minute drill. Uh, those are my picks for this week's. Love it, love it. Quick timeout. We got one timeout here in the two-minute drill. Uh, take a breather. I'm going to head right into it. Wow, what a first week we had. Not only did we see absolute magic down in the bayou with Ryan Fitzpatrick absolutely unloading on the New Orleans Saints. Most fantasy points by a quarterback. Fitz magic. Fitz magic upsets the Saints down in the bayou. Uh, another thing that I did not see coming was – the Arizona Cardinals laying an absolute egg at home. Uh, Sam Bradford, hello. Uh, there's a game going on. Adrian Peterson, 160 yards of total offense, leading the Redskins to a, a win down in Arizona. Uh, those were kind of my two big week takeaways from, from you know week one. Uh, but stuff that I did not see coming. Patrick Mahomes has an absolute cannon. We all knew that. But did we see the connection between him and Tyreek Hill? I don't think anybody did. Patrick Mahomes looked like a fourth-year stud in the league. Uh, another thing that I did not see coming was Deshaun Watson. Uh, everybody picked them to to kind of win that division, the, the South AFC South, and they went up to Foxborough, and he looked anything but uh, QB1. Uh, was harassed in the pocket, was missing receivers left and right. It was just an awful showing. And what we all expected was Nathan Peterman. Laying an absolute egg and Josh Allen seeing the field. <laughs> Pick City in Buffalo. Good two minutes, Evan. Good two minutes. But, yeah, week one is in the books, man. We saw a ton of drama this week in week one. Uh, where do you want to start? 
You know, Jake, let's start with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals-Indianapolis Colts game. Uh, Andrew Luck back from that neck injury, first start since December of 2016. And boy, did he settle in after that first early pick. Uh, I thought he was going to do it. I thought he was going to lead the uh, the Colts to a win at home. They were up, they were up at recess by 17. Uh, credit to the Bengals, they came back. But, but I thought it was going to happen. The, the Colts were down 23-27. They were driving, and Luck's bringing them down the field. Final two minutes, you can see it kind of unfolding. You're like, wow, he's going to do it. This shitty offensive line, this shitty system. Frank Reich's going to come in here, turn the troops around. The Colts might be a playoff team. And what happens? Hits Doyle across the middle. Doyle tries to get extra yards, and at about the nine-yard line, he gets, he gets hit, and he, he decides he's going to fucking let the ball fly. He fumbles it, picked up by the Bengals. Doyle rules. House, house the other way. Ball game. Andrew Luck does his thing, a little jog up the field, whatever. Uh, oh, it's on me. It's on me. Meanwhile, it's fucking on Doyle. But, yeah, I mean, that was kind of a big takeaway uh, that game. I yeah, know. I mean, just starting off Thursday night, Falcons-Eagles um, in Philly wasn't – Overly impressed with either team. Um, Nick Foles looked average. Wasn't the same Nick Foles, I don't think. Uh, and Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, wasn't over the top either. Somehow, Julio Jones still came away with 160-plus yards or whatever the hell it was. Um, I read a stat, though. They haven't found Julio Jones in the re- end zone in, like, Two seasons. Uh, some ridiculous. Or one set. of 20 targeting. Yeah, one of 20. Julio that's Jones it is. One of 20. In the red zone. Um, yeah, so expecting more from those two teams. Uh, kind of going down the list here. Bills, Ravens. I mean, Joe Flacco is back to elite status. I grant before, this Bills team. Before we touch on Joe here, we're not letting Steve Sarkeesian off the hook, are we? The, the offensive coordinator for the Falcons? <laughs> Fuck no. We're not letting him off the hook. Not only did the Falcons march down on the first drive of the game and get in the red zone, they're going to call four plays. They failed to convert like under five yards. Yeah. And who was on the bench watching? Julio, Julio fucking Jones. Weird. How do you not have your uh, top two Best wide receiver on the field. in the NFL? In the, you're, it, you're, exactly. You couldn't have said any better. Steve Sarkeesian, if you want a job come November – you better wake you, up. You, it's pretty obvious. I could I could be the OC for the Falcons. You put your best player on the field and you find a way to get him the ball. At least take double cover. Take another guy with him. Let Devonta Freeman or my boy Tevin Coleman. Tevin. Yeah, like I said, Bills were nothing but horrendous. Bucks Saints. Fitz Magic. What is he going to have a starting job this year? I don't know, but what beard is better, Fitz Magic's or James Harden's? Ooh. Uh, I, Fitz Magic is a winner. I don't know how you wear a, a, a grizzled beer with a chin strap like that and not be the most uncomfortable. You show human. me, you show me a better beard in the NFL, and I'll show you a liar. Okay, it is Fitz Magic. Off the top of my head, I can't think of one, but shit. Eric Weddle, yeah, it's nice, but he's a defensive player, and we like we like our offense. We're we're an offensive podcast. Uh, Matt Patricia, pencil in the ear. Yeah, Santa Claus beard. So Dark two things that I took away from that. Do we have a little signal gate on our hands? <sighs> the Lions Jets. The Jets Lions D, Jets signal gate. Uh, was Patricia? Did he tip his hand somehow without coaching a game in the NFL before? How did the Jets know these Boy, plays? That that showing from the Jets D. What they put up thirty 
fantasy points for five picks. Yeah, it was like 30-something fantasy was points. Was Matt Stafford shaving points? Because he was <laughs> – it was Christmas in fucking July or August, man. I don't, September, what are we in? God. This guy is – is giveaways after giveaways. Do you think he will admit to shaving points on Monday Night Football after he's literally has the best record on Monday Night Football in as any starter in NFL right now? I don't know, but I'd be willing to bet he comes back next week and throws four who, touchdowns. Who shaved more points on an opening night game, Paul Crew or Matt Stafford? Paul Crew, longest yard legend. One's been one's been to jail, not for shaving points, and one threw four interceptions last night. That was atrocious, man. I, I that's the only way. Two, two takeaways. Well, why is, why is the buddy coming out and saying like, yeah, we had all the signs? Does he? Oh, because he's cocky. The Jets get one win in like eight years, and now he's. Are Jets a playoff team? Super Bowl contenders? They sure. Look they're like not. It. They're not Super Bowl contenders, but in the AFC, I think they can get there. That True. that defense looked good. Yeah, they looked scary. Whether they knew where the plays were coming from, but hey, if you know every team's signals every week. Yeah, I mean, but, if it's a weekly, you know, study yeah. session with the boys and watching a little extra film, <laughs> they'll they'll shit. be in, they'll be Atlanta come February if if they're putting the hours and they're going to be studying plays and they know every move. I don't know. Uh, Vikings, our hometown team. Uh, honestly, I thought they kind of snuck away with one. There's a few. I mean, Jimmy G. I didn't mind Jimmy what I saw G from spot Jimmy. Got toyed Jimmy with. Jimmy G. Stirring was getting our defense. Our was planted spectacular. Around. Yeah, liked what I saw there. Mike Hughes pick six, piece of shit, but that was huge I was going to bring boys. that up. I that was, was say, huge oh, for the boys. You don't – I don't know. I didn't see a text or nothing this is what Sunday. I, this but... is what I saw from that game. My biggest takeaway from the Vikes 49ers game. Two, twofold here. One offensively, one defensively. First, Harrison Smith is the best safety in the game. He might be the best defender Next in the question. game. Not only did he – Undercut a, a pick to to stuff Alfred Morris at the two. The next play, he got in there and jarred loose a fumble and recovered it on the goal line that turned the whole game around. Guy and doesn't celebrate. Doesn't celebrate. No emotion. Unbelievable. Love that. Seals the game with a victory. Interception. Game game over. Uh, Garoppolo's third pick of the game. Seals the game. And everybody's saying that Kirk Cousins played well. And he did. He played decent. Well, no, my biggest takeaway, my biggest takeaway was the fourth quarter. The only score we had was was Mike Hughes, pick six, and that might have even came in the third. I'm not, I, I don't actually know for sure. I know we didn't put up a touchdown by Kirk in the fourth. And if we're gonna consistently give Jimmy Garoppolo the ball, see if this is week 16 and that happens, I'm pretty sure Jimmy Garoppolo is in a little better form, yep. and he's gonna. He, he's gonna eventually, out too. He's gonna eventually get to us. We got very fortunate that we have Harrison Smith. But Kirk, we're gonna need more out of you. Uh we'll touch on the, the Broncos game in a little bit, but did, um, yeah, Case Keenum threw three picks, but he also threw three touchdowns and he guided a very underrated Broncos team to victory on Sunday. Yeah. Um two questions for you regarding the Steelers and Browns. Josh Gordon, is he back? Was yeah. he sober? I don't know if he was necessarily sober. I saw a Grizzly Wintergreen in his warm-up suit. Uh, I don't know if tobacco on the field is legal, but that touchdown catch, beautiful. Mossed. Moss. Absolutely you got mossed. mossed. Yep. Um, and James Conner, debut, puts on a show. Le'Veon Bell, is he shaking in his boots a little bit? Is he worried about his – what kind of impact does that have on him? See, what I saw was – 
Connor played unbelievable until and no, I mean he was unbelievable until that fumble that he had that created new life for the Browns. He fumbles it inside their own 25. Browns take over. Let's make it 21-14. Bell was probably shaking in his boots. And what happens, Jake? They don't come away with a win. So is that's a, in my eyes, that's a win for Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. As much as well as Connor played, he's a starting running back in, on any other team that needs one. But I don't know. I, I hope he comes back this week. But I mean, let's let's just touch on a couple more games here. Uh, my New York Football Giants absolutely let one go. Uh, yeah, they were playing one of the top ranked defenses in the league. You want to have that one back? A pick six that got tipped, and then Jack Host. And then not being able to convert in the red zone, settling for two field goals. Saquon looked great, though, man. Did he, though? That run? That run. But if That you, one run? Yeah, that one run. But if you take away that one outlier just run. Just that one run. If you just take away that. You know, he was drafted for those. But if you just take that one away, Jake, you know what he finished with? It wasn't great, huh? No. He averaged two yards a carry and would have, <laughs> would have finished 16 carries, 38 yards. <gasps> two and a half yards a carry. It's not a good day. That's not a good day. But, my but, my words. but his hardest matchup of the year is out of the way. Jaguars have one of the best Fair. run defenses in the league. They got to him at or behind the line of scrimmage on nine of his 18 runs. But but let's let's not let's not let uh, let's not let Keelan Clay off the hook for muffing the punt in the final minute. You got to at least give Eli the rock in the final minute, and he muffs a punt. And the Jaguars jump on it, and that's the game. Really, we're gonna lose like that week one. My NFC East pick, we're going to lose like that week one. That's a good loss, though. Jaguars is a good loss. You can look up their 16-team schedule. You can eat that loss. You can. You, it, I, was a, it was a five-point miss, but that game could easily be one week 15, 16, the okay. season. There's a couple of takeaways I do like. I wrote an article on it, iSports Web. Shout, shout out, out, shout out. out. Uh, look it up. Uh, week one takeaways from New York Giants. Google it, whatever. Pat Shermer. Questionable play, questionable play calling, but he'll get them back on. You know, he he dominated with the Vikes last year with with Case Keenum at the helm. Um, but the defense looked really good. They looked really good. Other than the pick six, that's not against them. They only gave up fourteen points. So thirteen points actually, the extra points shouldn't count. Uh, but yeah, they look good. But Jake, you picked them as your wild card. This was one of the top storylines in my eyes. Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. If, I mean, if he keeps this shit up, that's just week one. Decent Chargers team, too. In San Diego. Yeah. On the road. First did career. See, did you see the stands? Sea of red? Sea of red. Red sea. Does this, does this mean, like, why the hell is the why are the Chargers in L.A.? Why are the San Diego Chargers playing in L.A.? Why? What are the Kansas City fans doing in L.A.? Like, what? They're to travel the like Chiefs that are week for real. One. I, the Chiefs travel? I don't know, but but this this is uh, Chargers are my Super Bowl pick to make it there, not win it, but to make it. They always start slow. They always start slow. They always do this to us. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, I think had like 18 yards rushing. Tyreek Hill can fly, man. That dude is so fast. I Flash Gordon. How about Flash Hill? Yeah, Flash Hill had him on my team. 41 quick sheets. Uh, Loved what I saw from him. One last takeaway from week one, though. We can't forget about the Bears and Packers. Holy blow up from the Bears. Was it a blow up on the Bears? Or is it, 
Do you think John Gruden had his had his pants off and was just watching the game, saying, "What the fuck, what the was fuck I did I just do?" And then come out afterwards and say, oh, "I don't know how we didn't get to the quarterback. We're gonna have to relook yeah. at it." What is that? Okay, okay. Uh, everyone I, in the United States and and Cleo Mack, Europe for, will tell you why you weren't getting to the quarterback. Cleo Mack had a, a had a sack. Himbo. <laughs> Cleo Mack had a sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. A pick and a defensive touchdown. First player to do that since Cleo Mack in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, was in freak. that was in I mean, two quarters of football. And and I feel for the guy too because Aaron Rodgers yeah. comes back after after getting a a body laid on his knee. A, do you think he had a bionic leg? I don't know, but you see him. You look at his face when he's leaving the game on the cart, and he's just like. It was like he was just looking in the stands, like this is it, like another season in the books. I'm like, I'm thinking ACL. He was down for a while. Something in there. And sure shit, he walks back out 20 points later. We got ourselves a ball game. I, I, I watched the whole game, and when you saw him come down, that second dime to Geronimo Allison on a, on, a, on a pinky toe, whatever the hell he threw off of. Geronimo. You see that, and you're just like, okay. I knew for a fact the Packers were winning the game. Yeah, and then but Randall what, Cobb receives what do you for think? What do you think? Was the bigger, the bigger story here? What do you think was the bigger comeback? Paul Pierce in the 2008 NBA Finals wheelchair game leaves crying on a wheelchair, comes back, drops 14 points in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and they get the dub in overtime, or Aaron Rodgers coming back at halftime down 20 and getting the dub. Paul Pierce for sure. I, I fuck Aaron Rodgers. I hate the Packers. Uh, I hate both teams, but I mean, if you're leaving what, on a wheelchair, how, people are saying this is the greatest comeback in football. Did we forget about Tom Brady and the Patriots against Atlanta? Mm, did, we, did, did, we, did, did the did the Patriots get a couple turnovers for Tom Brady to get back in the game? Doesn't matter. Did he mark? What? That was one of the best comebacks in history. It's a team game. I'm not saying it wasn't, but I'm saying he had. I'm a little, not. I'm not. saying he had a little help. Yeah, did the Packers' defense kind of step up a little bit in the second yeah, half? Well, they, they, did, they did get three point, a field six goal? points. Six points. Six, sorry. Six points. Because <laughs> they got an opening field goal to start the half. Yes, Rodgers is that whole team. They're built completely around Rodgers. But how are you going to snub Paul Pierce like that? We're not. We're not snubbing him. He's. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think Paul Pierce's comeback was for the ages. Like If you get wheeled out, it looks like you're, you're pretty much out for the rest of the series. And yeah. not only does he come he back. He carted off the field. Was he was MVP of the finals that year? The truth? I don't. I'm. We're just. We don't even know. We don't even fact check on this on this podcast. No. Was, M, Paul Pierce. Uh, NBA, we'll, NBA finals MVP. You're here, you're we'll, here. we'll leave it at that. Uh, Evan, three fantasy breakouts from this week. Uh, who? I mean, obviously we know the top scores, but yeah. guys, maybe you want to pick up on the wire. Yeah. Uh, first one. If you're looking for a tight end, you you had to have watched both. Monday night games. Jared Cook looked like a oh, man. big receiver. Huge. 118 yards in the first half. I think he finished with a buck 87. Uh, targeted a few times in the end zone. I, I would say if you're looking for a tight end, either Jared Cook or uh, what is it, UCU Manira, uh on the Jets. He had a touchdown. He had, I think, eight targets. I think he finished around 70 yards, but that's, that's another one. So if you're looking for a tight end, I would say one of those two guys. Uh, another guy, Doug Baldwin, just went down. I don't know how it's going to be. I have him on one of my teams. 
got me zero points. Uh, I barely broke 50. It was a, it was an absolute joke. Uh, but Brandon Marshall, the, the, the pesky veteran who mm. got chased out of New York, had a touchdown. I looked, Russell Wilson targeted him a few times in the red zone. If you're looking for a wideout, you got Brandon Marshall. And another player to pick up could be, uh, but I don't think he's going to be playing, but you could pick him up. Uh, Deshaun Jackson had 100 and, yeah, big week. I think 116 yards, uh, two tutties, left the game with a concussion. So I don't know. His status is up in the air, but another big time deep threat uh if he's available in your league those are those are three guys or four guys that you could target right on uh one guy i want to keep my eyes on is philip Lindsay for the denver broncos uh had 17 carries for 71 yards uh i'm sorry 15 carries for 71 yards and royce freeman the starter 15 for 71 so split, they split splitting time. time uh he caught three for like 51 yards or some. And he's definitely going to be their third down back with Devonta Booker. I think he had three attempts. He's not even a factor. He's not even in the picture anymore. Yeah, so that's a guy to keep your eye on. Um, like to see him catch some more passers, passes. Um, Freeman, more of the bigger, not as quick. I think Phillips is definitely the quicker back. Yeah, Freeman will be um, your, your, your first and second your down back. Uh, Darren Sproles, always a guy, like if you have a running back wide out, good flex option. Yep. Um, always good for flirting with the 10 point range. Um, and then it's, it, I mean, it's not a time to go after a quarterback cause it's week two, no injuries, but fits magic. If you're going to be putting up 40 a game here yeah. as a backup, who knows? Big, it, it's, it's boomer bust for him. I'd, yeah, I'd be, um, I'd be weird if fits magic just because of his matchup this week. Uh, he does at, have to go to Oh, he's home against Philly, but yeah. one of the top-ranked defenses in the league. But who knows? Fitzmagic did it against the Saints, who had arguably one of the top defenses in the league. Magic, magic, magic. And do we have to maybe consider picking up the Jets' D? I think it's against definitely, on, I think it's definitely on the table. I, I mean, if the Chargers' D are going to get me negative three points, <laughs> I, I think I might have to. Um, all right, Evan, let's move into college football week two. Uh, some Maybe some week one reactions. Uh, talk about some upcoming matchups this week. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that Tua Tagovailovane is taking over. Uh, there is no quarterback controversy down in Tuscaloosa. Absolutely routing opponents. Uh, it, it's just he's definitely got to be a front runner for the Heisman right now. Another four touchdowns by himself. Alabama is absolutely rolling. I don't see anybody beating them. Uh, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher has that squad back and rolling down at College Station, mm-hmm. almost upset Clemson. Uh, it, it was a really fun game to watch. I watched the majority of that. A second half comeback. Uh, they kind of hung around, hung around. Clemson's D-backs need to work on intercepting. I hope they're working on that in practice. But A&M was back in it, just a failed two-point conversion. Which I don't, I don't like the the two point conversion. They had their quarterback roll out, mm-hmm. and when you have him roll out to one side, you cut off half the field. I hate when teams do that. Give him the full field, especially against the nation's top ranked D line at Clemson. But A and M will definitely be there. Uh, they're not an easy out anymore in the SEC. They never really have been. But Jimbo Fisher's a hell of a coach. Uh, LSU. Continuing to win games. Big um, game against Auburn, though. Huge game this week. It's uh, probably the biggest one in week three. Who do you think you're going to win? You got War Eagle or you got, you, got, you know, I'm taking the, the favorite, Auburn, or... War Eagle. 
You're taking War Eagle. Go, go Tigers. I'm going to take – is the game in LSU or at Auburn? It is in Auburn. God, I – 230 gonna, kickoff, LSU's 12 seed, Auburn 7. I'm going to take the upset. I'm going to take LSU. Auburn's minus 10. I'm definitely taking I, – I don't necessarily think maybe LSU's going to win it, but I think they're going to cover that minus 10 spread. All right, another big game. Uh, Boise State, Oklahoma State, don't have to touch on it too much couple top 25 teams but the other big one is ohio state going to texas christian tcu horn frogs uh down in arlington actually at AT at&t stadium um big stage for that one evan i I just see ohio state having their way with them at minus 13 yeah i okay so it's their final game with without urban meyer they've been rolling without him dwayne haskins has looked like one of the top quarterbacks in the country nine touchdowns through two games Mike Weber's an absolute workhorse at running back, but it, you never know. It's it, I wish it was at TCU to get more of a hostile environment, but they're minus 13. I think they do cover, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they can pull off the 3-0 start uh, without Urban Meyer and get, get rolling again. Uh, I got Ohio State covering that. Yeah, if they get past that one, uh, I think next week's a cupcake as well. Well, not yeah. this week, but next week, yeah. And then one last player that's looked unbelievable, uh, Oklahoma's Kyle Murray. Stepped up right where Baker Mayfield left off. Hasn't missed a beat. Oklahoma's 1,100 yards of total offense. They've just been spectacular. Uh, but week three, always love Saturdays, college game day, it's nothing just, better. This is The whole mentality of football being back, you got all weekend long just rotting, uh, watching these matchups, hoping to make a little money. Speaking of, let's jump over, though, to our lock bets of the week. Evan, uh, we got a tally going. We're going to do a season-long tally of uh, who's hitting and who's not. Yep. I uh, I started Ock, off 0-2. Stay hot, 2-0 for the Bulls. Aachen is 2-0. He had the, the Jets covering. Uh, actually, you took a money line. That's smart, but you took him straight up. So you're 1-0 on that one. And your and second the one, you had the, the Vikings covering. They won by eight. So tip of the cap to you, Jake. I was way off. Uh, I thought the Cardinals, the pick them. With you know Washington having AP new quarterback Alex Smith looked unbelievable another game manager uh, people don't give him a lot of credit but how bad was that Cardinals offense with Sam Bradford it was atrocious they need to let my guy Josh Rosen spin it, it it's time he needs to start if, if he, Bradford has another week like that I give oh him three my weeks at the helm but if he repeats I, I don't know how he didn't start the second half I really don't they're down twenty one rip. Uh, it blows my mind, but I was 0-1 on that. And then how about this? I bet on a seven-hour rain delay bullshit lightning game. Uh, I took the Titans <laughs> like minus one, and they lost by seven. It's kind of bullshit, but, yeah, I'll take the L on that one too. I'm 0-2 to start. All right, Evan, I'll lead us off here with my first lock bet of the week. I am taking the Los Angeles Superchargers minus seven and a half. Uh, I think they're going to have – just a blowout against Buffalo in Buffalo. Um, seven and a half points is not enough after seeing how god awful Buffalo was last week against, you know, a shaky Ravens team. Mm-hmm. I think Los Angeles Chargers are that much and more than the Baltimore Ravens. I'm taking Super Chargers minus seven and a half against the Buffalo Bills. Easy money on that one. I like that. I actually do like that one a lot, especially if Peterman's getting a nod. That should be a blowout again. Uh, I'm going to go a little different route here. My first locked bet of the week number two will be 
the Carolina Panthers plus six at Atlanta. Uh, Carolina's got one of the best defenses in the game today. They had a slow start against the, the Cowboys last week. I think they get things back on track at the Superdome down in uh, uh, down in Atlanta. I got Carolina Panthers plus six. All right, with my second lock bet of the week, I'm going to Nolens, uh down in the bayou. Uh, Cleveland is going down to New Orleans. Uh, rather, New Orleans hosting the Browns. I am taking the over 49 and a half. I think that the Saints could easily put up 30 to 40 points themselves. Um, if their defense is as shitty as his last week, um, I think that uh, Browns will be coming in, playing with a chip on their shoulder, looking for that first win. I don't think they're going to get it down in New Orleans, but I think that it will be a high-scoring game. New Orleans, I think, will blow the roof off the Superdome, and we uh, will be over the 49.5 points um, go here on that game. All right, Jake, I like that. And with my second lock bet of the week, I am going to take the San Francisco 49ers minus six at home against the Detroit Lions. If we learned anything from Monday Night Football, the Lions were atrocious. Matt Stafford got his knee banged up. Is he shaving points? We don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo almost, you know, he didn't look that great against the Bikes, but it was the Bikes, and he still had them, you know, hanging around with a chance to win. Six is a lot. I know it. But I think they're going to cover. I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers at home, minus six over the Detroit Lions. I like that one, too. I like it a lot. Uh, Jimmy G-String is going to be firing on all cylinders. But our last bit of the evening, our dump and chase of the week, our bread and butter. This is what makes this podcast, Evan. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, our dump and chase last week. The Raiders, I mean, couldn't have gone any worse for them. Cleo Mack dominating the Green Bay Packers in the first half, mm -hmm. uh, tormenting them, like we said. Interception, defensive touchdown, sack, forced fumble, fumble recovery, you name it. Uh, Gruden saying that they couldn't get any pass rushers against the Rams on Monday night. Yeah, we dumped and chased on them last week. We could have done it again this week because obviously it paid off. And like we just got rumor that Martavius Bryant has been re-signed by the Raiders. They have no idea what the hell is going on down in Oakland. But <laughs> – this week's dump and chase, we already talked about it to start, but it's going to be Serena Williams. As good as she has been throughout her entire career, I loved watching her play. I mean, I still do, but, you know, with that act, that performance that she gave, that she, she was I being a, a bad she, attitude. I, she, I think she, a really she, poor she's attitude. A, she's a sore loser. She's, that's what it is. She's a sore loser. And we're not attacking her. No, we're, we're not, not attacking she's her. The greatest, just she's the greatest women's tennis player to ever play she's one of the greatest women's athletes ever we're not knocking her we're just dumping and chasing on her right now brutal attitude is definitely not the look that she wanted at the u.s open and just how she handled it it I wasn't took away so much from osaka it's just it was sad to see and i feel like maybe if, if it was unintentional it took away i mean put all the spotlight back on her i don't think that's what she wanted or was trying to do but as you can tell, that is what happened. And it's just bad looks. I mean, Osaka grew up idolizing Serena Williams. She said she was her favorite athlete. And to face her for the first time, to dominate her, and then to have her absolutely – she turned into a baby. That's what happened. She, This whole entire thing, it wasn't sexist. 
It wasn't racist. It was it was just Serena feeling entitled out on the tennis court and thinking that she shouldn't be penalized, even though the rule book clearly states three faults and you lose a game. Sorry, three penalties and you lose a game. Uh, and she just she she literally looked like a middle school, a little high school player out on the court with that reaction. It yeah. was it was really hard to watch. Uh, Carlos Ramos got attacked and was super calm the whole the whole thing. Uh, Tennis Association backed him up. A lot of people are criticizing him and attacking him, saying that would never happen in guys' tennis, even though Ramos has issued a ton of penalties to, to men. It Shout wasn't Carlos it was, Ramos. It wasn't, cool. it, it wasn't a sexist remark, but we are we're actually dumping and chasing on Serena, and Carlos Ramos is hopping out onto the field to play. Uh, we're big on Carlos Ramos this week. But Serena Williams, please do not do that again. Uh, I, I don't know if she'll learn from this. She's done it in multiple U.S. Opens. It was just a bad look for, for tennis, and it just took away from Osaka's big night. But, yeah, we were dumping and chasing on Serena Williams. Serena Williams, clean up your act. We are out. We are dumping. We are chasing on you. That will do it for us here on the Dump and Chase podcast. Next week we'll be back talking more NFL and college football and the MLB's hunt for October. Peace.